All right, welcome back to the 24 podcast. We're excited to bring this second bonus episode to you. And so a few weeks ago, we brought a bonus episode uh, talking about some special news things that we heard. This one, we have a little time that we have a guest here. And so kind of an interview slash conversation kind of time that we're going to have. And so uh, I have uh, Shelly Wade with me. Shelly, how you doing? Good, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it's definitely gl- uh, good to have you here. And so I met you, Shelly, on Twitter back in end of August as we were just kind of getting started with this podcast. And so you started you started by following us, um, and then uh, I followed you as a result of that. And when I did that, a lot of times when I go and try to follow people, especially for the podcast, I kind of look at, at the information uh, there that you provide in the little bio section. And so just kind of caught me, caught my attention there. It says new proud mother, a beautiful daughter, Ashley. And it says, I love writing, directing film and formula one love working in the golf industry. Um, and you actually have a link there to your golf company or something like that, that you have there. Yeah. Green, green walkers is a, um, well, I'm from Melbourne, Australia. So we had a, a junior golf academy. Um, back there, because I started a few years back with um, working with professional golf at Aaron Badley, uh, working on websites and and writing. And you know, my background is is basically in journalism. And I've always had a really keen interest interest in film, and I've been on like the casting side of things um, for years back in Australia. And tried to keep my foot in a little bit in the US, um, which is fun, and just whatever comes along, have a go for it. Yeah, and the the thing that really grabbed my attention, though, was there, we mentioned there about directing and film, and so I just thought that was interesting. And then also on the same day, I believe, I saw a tweet from you, to, and it included Carlos Bernard, and so that kind of caught my attention, thinking that there was a connection between you in 24 then, but that, after talking with you, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. And so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your connection to 24. Yeah, well, my, my biggest connection really with 24 is um, obviously after I started watching it, like I had heard about, I'd always been interested in police shows and, you know, all that kind of thing. And I read about that they were going to have this new show come out that was on a 24-hour time format and I was like pretty intriguing I'd love to see how they actually managed to pull that off and I'm pretty impatient when it comes to watching shows on TV and you see one episode and you get left with a cliffhanger and having to wait a whole week till the next one so I actually (laughs) waited till it came out on DVD in the US and I ordered it straight away and I watched the first episode and pretty much fell in love with it from there and I think, you know, I'd be happy to admit I lost that entire weekend to just zooming through the entire season and was number one fan from there, absolutely loved it, was just, I thought the directing was just incredible, you know, the cast, everything about it was amazing and, um, and then by the time it got to, I think, I believe it was during season three when they were filming season three, they were doing John Casada, who was 
you know, one of the main directors from season two through to season seven. Uh, he did a charity event in Los Angeles called Lights, Camera, Auction. And they basically, I think he'd had, you know, five or six of the main cast members went to this event and they were trying to raise money for the children through this Lights, Camera, Auction. So I luckily was going to be in Los Angeles anyway to, um, with my other work with the golf stuff and so I went to this charity event and I was just so impressed with how nice everybody was, how much effort everybody was putting into raising money to help these kids and um, John kind of led the way and then they, they did fun things like Carlos Bernard had a, a can of coke, I think, I don't know if he'd drunk the can of coke but it was like an empty can of coke and he would have stood up for about an hour chatting to everybody in the room trying to raise the most amount of money to sell this one can of Coke can. And he kept the audience engaged. It would have been for an hour trying to get the money up. And I think off the top of my head, he ended up selling this can of Coke for like $2,000, which was the highest amount that anybody had managed to sell for, you know, one thing. And... I went up and I had a chat to John Kassar that um, that afternoon and we talked about Formula One there because I have a bit of an interest and one of my friends is in Formula One so we kind of had a bit of common ground there and um, after that kind of, you know, a few years went past and there was not much there and then I was doing a bit of work with my friend that's in Formula One and there was a project coming up and we thought it would be great to, to chat to John and he's got a really big fascination with Formula One and, and he loves this guy Peter Windsor that works in the pit lanes. So I contacted John again and just said, you know, I don't know if you remember me but I, I met you at this event and um, he was so gracious as to, you know, write back and, and we chatted a little bit and then the next time that I was over in the States, we we met up and had lunch and had a great chat. And that was awesome for me because I got to, you know, ask him all sorts of questions about his directing style and, and everything like that from 24. And um, that led to, he was coming to Australia to do Terra Nova the next year, which I'm not sure if you've seen Terra Nova or not, but he was coming out to film that and so over the next sort of year and a half I got to sort of shadow John and go onto the set and learn as much as I possibly could from him and uh, that was probably the best experience of my life really so yeah it was all very exciting and that obviously goes into my love of 24 and how it all comes together that's awesome yeah so so that's cool that you were able to make those connections and then uh kind of keep in contact a little bit through the year so that's pretty cool to be able to have that and um now as far as 24 itself uh you kind of told us a little bit about how you got started with it is there maybe a certain season that you like more than others or whatever you can say is your favorite season for sure um i absolutely loved season two 
Um, I just felt like it really, that was just where there was so much growth with all of the characters. And I feel like it, you know, everything that they set up in season one allowed season two to flow that much better because you already had a good idea of who everybody was, you know, what their their background was, with what kind of goals they wanted to reach. So as season two sort of started to play out, I felt like you were already emotionally attached to the characters. And that made it sort of, you know, it amps up how you're feeling and adds that, it makes the stakes higher. So, you know, obviously with um, Jack's daughter being off and missing, you, you know, the fact that he's already lost his wife, you really feel for him that, you know, he just can't afford to lose his daughter more than he has really and same with Tony with um, you know everything that he'd been left with after Nina the fact that you just understood what they were all going through and obviously the relationship that Palmer had built with Jack from season one was such a good foundation for the trust that you know they needed to have with season two which I think was probably one of the biggest underlying ish, you know, storylines of season two was, you know, you kind of had those, the group that trusted each other, like Jack, Tony, Michelle, and President Palmer that all believed that the Cypress recording was fake. And they were then pretty much pitted up against, you know, the rest of CTU and the government trying to prove this recording was fake. But they had that trust with each other and Palmer believed what Jack was telling him and that was like the driving force for those characters and for those storylines to happen. So that's what I, I loved that about season two and then I have to say too that I thought, um, you know, there was a little bit of a lull with season six and then I felt like with the writer's strike and everything, they, they just had the time to get the script for season seven just so perfect that by the time they came to that, season seven just came back with a bang and I think it it blew just about everybody away and that was a really fast paced, just an amazing season. Absolutely, yeah. If you'll remember, we, we agreed that season seven was our favorite. Uh, we also like season three. And so, yeah, um, yeah. yeah but they're all good. And so, but yeah, you're right about uh, season two with all the development and the characters and their relationships, and it really just solidifies everything that was started in uh, season one. And it really yeah, does set the tone right. for the rest. And it's just exciting, I guess, even with season two, you did the same thing going into even three and four, just the way that you had, you know, obviously Tony and Michelle were getting, had gotten married by season three. Um, and I loved the way that. They kind of flipped it around that in season three, Tony was put in this um, horrible position of choosing his wife over um, the country. And then they're able to actually do that again in season four and flip it around that Michelle was put in the same position as Tony. And they played out the two different scenarios in each way. And, you know, there were repercussions for both. And even though it was a storyline that was, you know, reused basically, it still felt so fresh and new. And because they'd done it in season three, when they did it again in season four, the stakes felt so much higher. But it was just so exciting. You just so desperately wanted it to work out for them and 
for it to be okay. But knowing 24, you know that doesn't matter how much you care about a character or you love them or how good they are to the show, they still might die or they still might get taken out. So you, there's always that kind of adrenaline of sitting on the edge of your seat that they might take that away from you no matter how much you care or want it there, which is something that I always love about it as well. Right. Um, now, how about characters? Do you have any character that you would say is your favorite outside of Jack, of course? Um, outside of Jack, uh, I loved the Tony character. Uh, I believe you guys were chatting about it in your last podcast. Yes. Uh, just, <laughs> I loved how much I thought his character really did develop, um, one of the most overall of the seasons. And so you become quite emotionally involved in, you know, what he's going through and the fact that, you know, the first season he's, he's kind of by the book and that's how things have to be. And by second season he really starts to learn that sometimes to get results you have to go outside of the lines and, and do what you need to do. And that helped his relationship with Jack. They, you know, started taking some risks together and even though they'd kind of butt heads, they were still after the same result. Um, but I always liked his character and I loved that he was like this military trained, you know, he's a strong sort of super agent guy and yet he still wore his heart on his sleeve and that made him doing his job really, really hard because he was, you know, his emotions were always still there at the forefront and that made it difficult for him to do his job and he wasn't prepared to keep, you know, losing his wife or the things that he loved uh, for the sake of the job, but yet he's still a good guy at heart and wanted to do the right job and the right thing. So I can't... I liked that, but I also sort of, you know, like from season two, I loved... Mason, I thought he was a brilliant character because he was he was kind of smart and witty and I loved that they, in the midst of all of this drama and sadness and all these crazy things going on, that you could still get like the little one-liners in there to give you a bit of a chuckle and, and all of that. And he was the same where he appeared as this sort of tough guy, you didn't care and all of that and yet as he got sicker after when he was starting to die he you know came out and said to Michelle you know I basically ended up in this job because it paid five thousand dollars more than being a teacher and that's what I really would have wanted to do but I chose this for the money and and I lost my life for it and and that's kind of what propelled him into saying to Michelle you know if, if you want something or you love something you've really got to go for it and take the opportunity and and she learned from that and she took his advice and went for it and so I loved seeing that sort of softer side of Mason as well which which came out but so I thought he was a cool character and it was a shame that we lost him so early on in the whole show um, and and with characters do you mean from all seasons or just from season two it doesn't matter any season work is there any uh, others I mean, Palmer, you can't go past Palmer. He was just the ultimate president. Um, I love the 24, always seemed to almost be a little bit a step ahead of what was actually happening in the real world sometimes. 
Um, just with, like having Palmer as the president and uh, all those kind of things. They just it was so connected into what was happening in the real world in, in little ways. And I loved that Palmer was just such an authority type figure, and he he was he knew how to do his job and he was brilliant at it. And but yet at the same time, he was still able to you know be good to his family and do the right thing by the people that worked with him. And he showed a really good balance, I think, of, you know, what you would love your president to be, basically. He sort of sets the bar a little bit. So I I loved his character. I thought that he was really well done, and I thought the casting for that was just awesome. Who is your favourite character? Well, I'm torn between a couple. You've already talked about Tony, and we talk about Tony a lot on the show. Uh, but I also really like Chloe. Um, yeah. I like I like her um, little attitude that she has. And so I mean, she knows her job; she knows it really well, and she makes sure everyone knows it. Um, yeah. And then, and then I like to see I, I like her growth um, as you see her come in on season three. She she has that attitude of she she knows she's good. Um, but she's not quite sure about other things in her life. She's not good with relationships um, and yeah, dealing with people, talking with people. Awkwardness, yeah. And she kind of, to me, she she sort of was a bit of the replacement for Mason. Like they had him making those kind of witty comments and that sort of part. And then the next season, Chloe came in and she took over, like you said, that social awkwardness. But. Uh, loyalty to Jack that just built over the years was, you know, something that you could always kind of trust and depend on that she would come through and always be the one that figured it out and and was able to help him and I can't, you know, you probably couldn't count how many times, you know, Jack said the line of, just do it, Chloe, and she would have to just figure it out. Right. I loved when they put her out in the field. I think that was season... Where she got had to go out in the field and she got stuck in the car with that guy shooting at her, and that was just brilliant because she really was somebody that was just supposed to be in the office. And when right. she was out in the field, she showed this, you know, vulnerability, I guess, and just became like anybody else that would be so scared to death. And what do I do? And yet she she still pulled through for everybody. Yeah, and I think that really added a, a new dimension to her her character, and so because, like you said, she was she was always this uh, office person dealing with the computers, and now she's exposed to um, the dangers, um, if you will. And so, and you kind of see it all come together when you look in um, season um, season eight when uh, when the when the place is hit and the uh, and they lose all the computer information, and she says, "Hey, well, we can tap into the trunk line and be able to access all the information directly, and be able to get online faster." And, uh, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and yeah, and so and so, I mean, you you, you kind of see that the effect of Jack Bauer being on her of doing whatever is necessary to do what you believe is right, and so yeah, and so you see that, and, and that she was walks kind in, of, I guess, like the most. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like for season seven. Scene where 
Jack's got Tony and the FBI interrogation room and, you know, he's basically thrown against the wall ready to kill the guy and he whispers in his ear, you know, blue sky fog or whatever. can't remember what it was, but sky fog something. And he calls that number and that's when you realise that it's Chloe and Bill and Tony and they're all working together. And that was like the coolest moment of, you know, that the old CTUs back together and mm-hmm. they're going to be working there. And I thought that was just the best way in season seven of, because there was no CTU at that point of almost allowing the viewers to have that back and have those characters that they really wanted still there and still doing what they, you know, knew and loved. And it was just sort of done in a little bit of a different way. But that was a pretty exciting moment. Yeah, Bill was another, um, is another one of my favorites. And so when he came in in season four, I didn't really like him too much because he was the guy between Tony and Michelle. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and just plus his attitude toward Jack, it's it's like no, this is the rules, this is what we have to do, and all that kind of stuff. But then you see in season five and six that he starts to realize um, the importance of what Jack was trying to do, or or he starts seeing the reality of things instead of just from a desk standpoint in the in an office as far as protocol would be. Into now he's actually on the front lines seeing it in action that sometimes those decisions have to be made um, even though they're difficult and unpopular and so I think Jack really helped him to be able to do that and Jack was able to build that trust with him then over those uh, couple episodes as well yeah that's right and he and even I thought it was interesting because in season 4 where he he was still playing the you know you've got to follow the lines but he he helped Jack Remember, Jack retired effectively to become a citizen so he could get that, they could release that one guy that they knew had information out of right. CTU holding and then Jack could get him out in the parking lot to get the information he wanted as a civilian. And Bill kind of turned a blind eye to that and let that kind of play out. But then right. when it came to the end of the season and the Chinese were coming back for Jack, and Jack still chose to only let Tony and Michelle and Chloe help him basically escape where they pretended that he was shot in a shootout at CTU and said that the Chinese would believe he was dead and that was how he could escape and get out. So they really kind of showed that even though Jack was starting to form that relationship with Bill, it still wasn't quite there enough. Right. And you know, so they still left him out of that last bit, but then when it came into the next season, and especially in season seven, they show that, okay, that trust is now there and it's built and mm-hmm. and they, they can work together. So I like that there's a bit of back and forth. It's not just you do one thing and, okay, now I trust you and you're fine. Right. It's something that's built up over, you know, years and years of pretty much proving yourself and showing what kind of person you are and, and that's how, you know, Jack will choose to to go with you or do the right thing. I, I liked all of those kind of different angles or dimensions to it. Yeah. Let's just uh, finish with one more thing. Uh, is there any favorite moment or scene 
that you particularly like, whether it's season two or otherwise, that kind of stands out? I know we've talked about several different things already, but is there maybe like one scene or moment that uh, you can say, uh, this is like my moment kind of thing? Uh, it's one, and it's kind of, I don't know, other people might see this a little differently to me, but it was the end of season three, and Chase's arm had just been chopped off, and I believe it was literally like the last two or three minutes of the whole season, and Jack had been at the hospital, and he just learned that, you know, the whole day's events had happened, and then he's got Chase in the hospital, he's in surgery, and he's learned that Tony's just been taken off to jail and, you know, basically everything that could be wrong is wrong. And after the whole day he's had, and there's that scene where he goes back to his car and then he's just just showing him sitting in his car and it's like he's given, you know, a minute to let everything sink in and he's sitting there and he starts to cry. And I just, I, I thought the range of emotions that Kiefer is able to putting his facial expressions is incredible and you see him crying and it's like everything's sinking in and he's thinking about everything that he's lost and that's happened that day and he's finally letting loose and he finally allows himself to start to cry and just fall apart and then his phone rings and it's CTU saying you need to come back in and debrief such and such and just like that he basically you know has to pull himself together in like a second and get back on with the job and i thought that was a just a beautiful way to show the really human side of jack that even though he's this tough guy that you know goes out and does all of this and he never sort of falters or wavers and i love that they just showed this really soft side of him where, you know, his whole world comes crashing down and he lets it all out. But then, you know, he gets that call and it's like, all right, I've got to pull myself together and get back to it. And I almost think that kind of sums up 24 in such a perfect way of, you know, you're human and all these things happen to you and it really does affect you. And yet, you know, you get that call and you've, you've got to snap it back together and and get on with it and do your job. And I think that that was such a beautiful way to end that season and kind of really show what it was all about. Um, So that was kind of a bit of a, you know, it wasn't an action scene, it wasn't anything like that, but I just felt that it was a beautiful way to end it. And it was sad, but it was also showed what kind of person Jack was, which I liked. So that scene always really, really touched me. And I don't think I could ever go past, like, you know, there was the excitement in season two where that guy gets brought in undercover and that's how Jack's supposed to go in under Walt's gang. And they're in the office and he basically shoots that guy dead and then cuts his head off in the office. And I think that was a real, whoa, like... There's no boundaries with this guy or with this show and what they're going to do. Like, I think that was a real, made the audience go, this show is going to go and do whatever they want, however they want to get the results they need. And I thought that was a real wow kind of moment. So there's a lot of little scenes like that where I just thought it was cool and no matter how controversial or how much people might think oh they won't do that because that'll upset people too much or that's the wrong thing to do 24 would take the risk and and do it anyway and 
those types of moments that were real kind of shock value, I like. Hey, well, it's, it's definitely been uh, good to be able to have you on with us. Um, we definitely would like to have you back to be able to share some more things. So we'll look forward to bringing you back sometime in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's been great to have a, a chat about the best show. Okay, why don't you just go ahead and take a second here let uh, people know how they can be able to connect with you a little bit more. Sure. Um, pretty much on Twitter, I'm just at Twady. It's S-H-W-A-D-E-Y. Um, and I'm on Facebook as well, which is just under Shelley Wade. Um, but, yeah, pretty much just Twitter and, and, and Facebook is the best one. But, yeah, hit me up on Twitter and we can chat about the podcast and... Anything like that. All right, great. And we'll try to have some links in the show notes for those as well to make it easy for people to be able to make those connections. So, again, thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. And hope you enjoy this bonus episode. If you want to see the show notes for this, you can go to the24podcast.com forward slash 009 bonus, all one word, 009 bonus. And you'll be able to get to the show notes with the links haven't looked into it yet but i may try to get some video or audio clips of some of those scenes that she made reference to so i think that you'll enjoy those as well and i hope you have a great week